2: A warm low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. It's Javon Alford, he does a great job over there at DK Nation with DraftKings. Going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to react to what we've seen these first few games of the MLB postseason. And take a look forward to the two games that we've got today on this Sunday. And then in the final segment, only two games today for the MLB postseason. Both of them out there in the American League as... It's a travel game for both of the National League series. So, gonna give you guys a signed total on both games on the betting board and a little something I like to call it. touch them all. And this is a podcast, as you guys know, that is dedicated to two things: make you guys money and just make you guys more informed about baseball in general. So, if you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters, the name does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other way is via an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Follow that five-star review did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we did have a lot of fun with the MLB betting board on Saturday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends in. Try to get to know these. seems a little bit better. What
0: happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out.
2: It was the Atlanta Braves being able to steal a game on the road. They take down the Milwaukee Brewers by a count of three to zero. As in this one, Brandon Woodruff winds up giving up three runs over the course of six innings, including the lone home run of this game as going deep Mr. Austin Riley in the sixth inning. As the Braves wind up going just one of six with men in scoring position, but they had Max Fried on the mound, and Freed was dealing. Six scoreless innings, punches out nine. From there, Tyler Madzik and Luke Jackson combined for two scoreless innings. Jackson used for 15 pitches. Madzik for 26 with the travel day. You got to figure that both of these guys should be available for game three. And then Will Smith gets jiggy with it. Gives up absolutely nothing in his inning of work. He winds up using 12 pitches. So that was solid. And then for the Brewers bullpen, all three you guys were till we saw Brad Boxberger, Aaron Ashby, along with Hunter Strickland. I'll give you a scoreless inning, and I am doing this as we are still live during the Giants versus the Dodgers game because now there is the Greg Peterson experience out there on the Vegas Sets and Information Network. If you're out here on the West Coast, that is from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Pacific. If you're out there on the East Coast, well, it's all day Sunday along with Saturday from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m., so you've got a whole lot of fun there, so I'll certainly be reacting to this game and so much more. But as I'm doing this podcast, the LA Dodgers currently lead the San Francisco Giants by a count of six to one. As the floodgates have opened in the sixth inning, as the Dodgers were able to put up a four-spot. Uh, that was big as Kevin Gosman in this one. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of five and a third innings. Dominic Leon tried to stem the tide. He was unable to do so and as it stands right now, Julio Arias has an RBI single and has won five innings giving up a run. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Saturday. Not really a lot of games, but as it stands right now the San Francisco Giants do wind up falling in this one. Home teams will now be seven and three straight up when it comes to this postseason, so they've been doing a relatively solid job and Going into this one, we had not really seen a whole heck of a lot of overs as we've had just two overs in general, but this Dodgers versus Giants game at minimum is going to be a push on the total. So we've got a little bit more scoring that is going on and we're going to be taking a look at what we're all going to be getting for Sunday and so much more with Javon Alford over there at DraftKings. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
0: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline.
2: And we're back here with Las Vegas for the Beast Bluffing Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our guests. As this man does a great job as a staff writer over there at DraftKings, a.k.a. at DK Nation. He does an absolutely terrific job when it comes to looking at a wide variety of sports. Obviously, this time of year, we are all consumed by football. So on this Sunday, He's gonna be doing a great job of taking a look at some bets, along with some guys that you might be wanting to take a look at when it comes to a daily fantasy, along with a just normal fantasy football outlook. As it is Javon for joining me on the podcast. You're able to follow him on you're able to follow him at his name, Javon, and then the number 10. That is J-O-V-A-N, and then the number 10 and Javon great to have you aboard. Thank you.
1: Hey, thanks again, Greg, for having me on. The last time I was on, it was like middle of the baseball season, Now we're in the postseason. So always glad to be on to talk some baseball with you.
2: It is great to have you aboard as well. And certainly things are a little bit more different this time of year. And when you take a look at betting on baseball and you just take Mm -hmm. a look at guys in general that might have a little bit of value, what really stands out to you? Because I noticed it coming into Saturday that home teams have been seven and one thus far this postseason now. No question, the better teams always wind up getting home field advantage. So that plays a little bit of a factor into it. But I do think that home teams now this time of year have a little bit more value. It just feels like the friendly confines and the fact that we've got just completely packed stadiums is something that is really big for these teams because we know during the baseball season, you wind up having very limited fans towards beginning of the year. And though stadiums could have been full at the back half of the season, as we know, A school night in like September, you're not going to draw as many fans as say for Game 2 of the American League Divisional Series.
1: Yeah, no, you're definitely right about that. I think what stood out to me, like you said, pretty much all the favorites, you know, won through the first eight games. So, you know, that's always great to see, even if the money line's a little bit juiced, like we saw in Game 1 between the Brewers and the Braves. But you would still take the Brewers in this situation because the run line was just super juiced. I think one matchup in particular, one series in particular where I think that, you know, where we would think there'd be value is right on the run line would be, I think, the Giants and the Dodgers. The Giants have been one of the best teams in run run game one run games this season through the first two games on the betting lines. You just within a one and a half runs, it's like super juiced to like path minus one fifty. So I I find that very interesting to see so far between all the games that've happened.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. We have been seeing these money lines really coming through. And in those seven wins, we wound up seeing six beyond the run line as well. The lone one-run game wound up being the Brewers and the Braves in game one. But Mm -hmm. when you take a look at what we're all going to be getting on Sunday, we're going to be mostly having the American League come to the forefront as both the National League series are going to be having a little bit of a travel day. And it's going to be a do-or-die scenario for the Chicago White Sox. I wound up saying it coming into the postseason, I felt like the biggest upset that we would see in the playoffs is if the White Sox would be able to take down the Astros. I do think that that's still very true, but I do think that the White Sox are actually set up for a little bit of success here. I was mentioning it a little bit earlier, the fact that I feel like home field advantage is going to be a little bit of a bigger deal. And when you take a look at the guy that's going to be going for the White Sox, it's going to be Dylan Cease, who has got a 318 home ERA compared to a 469 road ERA. And then the guy that he's going up against in Luis Garcia, he's going lights out at home with a 239 ERA. 424 on the road, so I take a look at this spot, and I do think that the White Sox have a relatively solid shot of being able to seal game three, and then from there, if you're trying to take a look at like exact bets for the series, if you're trying to take a look at diving in on the Astros to just be able to take it in general, that is something that you're able to use at your disposal, because obviously, you'll get a much better price on taking the Astros when they're up only two to one rather than two to zero, where there's just not a lot of value on the series price right now.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Like you said, this was the only series that I foresaw an upset here. And I had the White Sox winning this series. I thought if they do, it's going to happen in five. And I thought it would happen in five. It's just the way that I think we foresaw this happen. We didn't think it was going to happen this way. Like they have Dylan Cease coming up in a, in a must win situation. And like you said, he's been great at home, which is good news. Opponents are only hitting 208 against him at home this season. So that's great. Like He's at home field advantage, plays very key because that means you get the last at bat in the ninth inning. If so, need to, if you need to win the game or tie the game in that situation. So, like you said, Dylan so he's been really good 13, to, 13 to 7, 3 9 1 ERA for the White Sox. You just got to hope that he doesn't repeat what we've seen from Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito. Giolito struggled in his last start. I mean, four earned runs, five walks, and only four and, it's four and a third in his pitch is not going to get it done. And then when you look at Lance Lynn, five earned runs, two walks, only three to two thirds, and it's not going to get it done. They need Dylan Cease to at least go into the sixth inning, possibly into the seventh inning to, you know, secure this win. And they can't give up walks, especially to a team like the Astros, who, you know, they feast on base on balls and be able to turn those into runs and runners in scoring position. And that's a team with a bunch of professional hitters. So you just can't take any pitch for granted. And Dylan Cease is just going to have to pitch probably the best game that he's ever had this season to keep the White Sox, you know, off the brink of elimination.
2: And I do think that if the White Sox are able to take this game, they've got a relatively shot of being able to force this thing back Mm -hmm. to Houston as well, just because when you take a look at the White Sox, you are able to go to Carlos Rodon in game four, that when he's been fully healthy, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. The big thing with him is just is he going to be able to give you that full-fledged performance? That is a question at this point, because when you take a look at the other series between the Boston Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays, I think that they're in a relatively solid spot. The Red Sox are to be able to get a win here. I personally am going to be going with the Tampa Bay Rays, with Drew Rasmussen going to because he's been spectacular, but certainly wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for Nathan Eovaldi being able to get the win there. But then when you wind up getting the game for Who in the heck knows what the Red Sox (laughs) are going to be throwing out there because they wound up having to use Nick Pavetta and Tanner Houck in bulk, bulk roles after Eduardo Rodriguez and Chris Sale wound up being starters that did not wind up completing more than three innings in either of their starts. So the Red Sox at this point, I have a shot to be able to go up two to one. And then from there, I have no idea who they're pitching the rest of the series.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what the Red Sox do a very tough spot, especially with you know Eduardo Rodriguez getting hit and getting hit hard, and even Chris Sale getting hit hard in his game. It just wasn't the type of start that you were hoping, especially the way Evaldi pitched in that wild card game. I think for the Red Sox in this series, offense is gonna to have to carry them you know, especially with the uncertainty past Evaldi. And the only third thing is Evaldi, so that means the offense is going to have to do their thing. And we saw that in game two. They won 14-6. to six. You know, you had guys like Alex Verdugo, J.D. Martinez, Kike Hernandez all stepping up at big moments. That's what they're going to need to beat this race team because we know this race team, they can put up, you know, a ton of runs. They did it this season many a times against the Red Sox this season, even scoring, I think, one of them scored 20 runs on one another. So this could be a very highly offensive series, and I think for the Red Sox, they're going to need to. Because we see this Rays team, they got guys like Brandon Lau, Randy Rose Arena, Austin Meadows, I mean, Nelson Cruz, guys that can just ch- change the game with one swing at a bat. So it's going to have to be on offense and it's going to have to be a, a Valdi. He's going to have to pitch, you know, he's going to have to pitch a good game. In game three, like you said, because Rasmussen's on the mound and he's been really good on the road this season A 209 ERA 1.90 opponents batting average. He had a one five zero ERA in September, and then just against the Red Sox, a season two three zero ERA and a two twenty opponent that average. So when you look at those numbers, it screams like we get a pitcher's, a pitcher's duel between Avardi and Rasmussen, but we can also see an an offensive explosion like we saw in Game Two.
2: It's so intriguing to see what we're going to be able to get in this one, as we do have Javon Alford over there at DraftKings joining me on the podcast. Because with Rasmussen, his eight starts ever since being elevated into the starting rotation in the middle of August, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around a buck fifty. But if you take a look at Nathan Uvalde, he has been Mr. October for the Boston Red Sox. We all remember. The heroic effort he wound up having in that 2018 World Series. The Boston Red Sox are 7 and 1 in games in which he winds up taking the mound in the postseason. He's collected a lifetime Buck 60 ERA. So it's a good old situation of something's got to give because. The Tampa Bay Rays, we take the Ric Flair mentality. In order to be the champ, you've got to beat the champ. They Mm -hmm. are the team that wound up representing the American League in the World Series last year as well. So I think that you've got an intriguing matchup. I personally feel like the Rays should be a very slight favorite. Seeing them as a slight underdog is very intriguing to me. But I think that this is going to be one of the more intriguing series that we not just wind up seeing in the divisional series, but we might wind up seeing all postseason long.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like you said, if the Red Sox want to get to where they want to get to, which is the World Series and even to the ALCS. They're going to have to take down the team that won the American League deal you know, last season. So I think it's going to be a great matchup. A lot of chess pieces and chess moves between both managers. We know that the Rays they, and Kevin Cash, they do not do things orthodox <laughs> when it comes to baseball, when it comes to pitcher, when it comes to lineups, moving guys around. So I think it's going to be a very fun game. I think it could be the best one. But if we're looking between the two. I think this one could be very exciting. And like you said, if Boston can go up two one, I mean, all the momentum's there in game four to, you know, just throw whatever you can at the kitchen sink to try to possibly win the series in game four.
2: I'm right there with you. And when I take a look forward at Monday, because we're going to be having just the two games on Sunday out there in the American League. We're doing this prior to knowing how game two of the Giants versus the Dodgers wound up going. But I think it's going to be really hard to go against Max Scherzer when he winds up going on the mound for the Dodgers, whether the Dodgers be tied up one to one. Or whether they be down by a kind of two to zero, just because with Scherzer, even when he wasn't able to deliver much length against the St. Louis Cardinals, team was able to get it done ever since being acquired from the Washington Nationals. The Dodgers are 12 and 0 in Max Scherzer's starts, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I just feel like this is a Giants versus Dodgers series that is destined to go five. You got the top two bullpens out there in the big leagues. You got two of the top three offenses when it comes to runs per game in the National League. I mean, just everything is checked off most wins of any postseason series when it comes to regular season wins in the history of MLB postseason play. So when I take a look at this spot for the Dodgers, I think that they're going to be finding themselves in a very good one for game three. But I do think that this is going to be a series in which it's going to be providing a lot of value. On underdogs moving forward after you wind up having Scherzer go on the bump in
1: game three. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. I think many people game one saw, you know, Giants on the money line at plus Money and decided, you know, why not ride with it in game one, especially because they had Logan Webb on the mound and you saw the type of performance that he put together in his, you know, first postseason game. I mean, wow, 10 strikeouts against that Dodgers lineup just continuing what he's been doing all season. And like you said, I think we'll continue to see that, you know, with Scherzer on the mound in game three, you know, I guess probably be anthony discalfani in game three maybe against scherzer and then you know you definitely get another plus money situation on the money line so there's like you said there's a lot of interest in betting you know options there even probably even down to the you know total run scored in these games because i don't expect in any time in this series you know to see a lot of runs scored especially like you said with one of the best bullpens in the in the best bullpens in the league between these two teams and even down to starting pitching
2: I'm right there with you. I think that this entire series between the Giants and the Dodgers is just so intriguing in general. It's a shame that it has happened so early. Would have been a bigger shame if we wouldn't have gotten it all together. Thanks, to Chris Taylor, for right. putting that two run home run. I know that it made some people I wanted taking a run and half with the Cardinals and myself, who wanted taking the Cardinals on the money line, a little bit unhappy, but certainly we got the matchup that we deserved, and something that we deserve on this podcast is great guests and Javon. You always deliver when you are on this podcast. I know that you're doing great work over there with DraftKings, and like I mentioned, you do a great job taking a look at just some bets in general, and you do a great job of taking a look at the DFS side of things as well. I know that you are very busy when it comes to the NFL season, so this Sunday is certainly going to be a spotlight on all the work that you wind up doing. So. Let the good people at home know what you've got going on and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms.
1: Oh, for sure. Thanks again for having me on, Greg. And you continue to keep on doing the great work that you do and the stuff that you do for v Keep continuing to do what you do. For me, just, you know, follow me on Twitter at JoeVon10 and then, you know, check out my stuff, you know, DraftKings, com. You know, still covering the baseball stuff, looking at player props, you know, making money line picks. We'll still have that on the site. WNBA, WNBA finals are coming up starting this week. So we got that in store. And then NFL, like you said fantasy waiver wire anything that you need is all right there Com.
2: And Javon is doing a terrific job just taking a look at a whole wide variety of different things. If you're someone that is looking to play some bets on this NFL Sunday, he's got you covered there and he's got you covered on just a wide gamut of different things. And always great to get him on the podcast. So big thanks to Javon for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed total for both games on the betting board for this MLB Sunday. And a little something like call, touch them all.
0: Welcome back to the baseball betting podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
2: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the baseball betting podcast. Myself Greg Peterson. Great to get Javon Alford on the podcast. Some really good insight there and It'll be very fascinating to see what we get moving forward in this postseason as home teams have been reigning supreme but the Atlanta Braves were able to get the job done yesterday so a little bit of a shout out to them as we now see these American League series shift locations as we've got two games on the betting board so I'm going to give you guys a side total and analysis on both of these games and a little something like call touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
2: Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at 41 It's all American League games, so we're just going in time order on these, and it begins with 931, 932 on the betting board, which is a New York Post play today, as We've got the Tampa Bay Rays. On the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox, Nathan Eovaldi is going to be going for the Sox. Andrew Rasmussen is on the bump for the Rays. Your total on this game is eight and a half. Seeing the over and the under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And if you're taking a look at the Red Sox, getting them anywhere between a minus 108 and a minus 115. Seeing a straight minus 105 out there at Caesars by William Hill. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rays, you're getting as bad as a minus 105, as good as a plus. 102, And I set the Rays as more around a minus 106 favorite. This might wind up adjusting a penny or two based on what we wind up getting with the Boston Red Sox bullpen situation. But looking with the New York Post later today at the Rays on the money line. You take a look at Drew Rasmussen in the eight starts he's made ever since getting promoted to the starting rotation. He has been masterful. Two runs of fewer were given up in every one of them. 6-2 and two record and in games in which he has faced off against the Boston Red Sox a couple of these were on the bullpen. The team is 3-1 in those last four. And the Rays in general just have owned the Boston Red Sox 12-5 and five in the last 17 in this series overall. But you do take a look at Nathan Eovaldi. The Boston Red Sox have lost just once in his postseason career whenever he's taking the bump and that was in that World Series game of which 118 innings against the LA Dodgers. He's got a lifetime ERA in the postseason right around a 164 so he has been a gamer and you do take a look at Eovaldi and he does a much better job of being able to limit the deep ball at home than he does on the road. You take a look at him during the regular season and he wound up giving up 6 home runs over the course of 114 innings at home. Meanwhile on the road he wound up giving up 9 bombs at 68 and a third innings opponents hit 30 points lower off of him at home than on the road, but you do take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays team as well, and you've got a trio of guys that during the regular season, they were able to deliver 30-plus home runs. You've got Mike Zanino, Brandon Lyle, along with Nelson Cruz, and then you're able to throw in there a man that had over 100 RBI in Austin Meadows, who has been very good for this team, G-Man Choi, right around a 350 on-base percentage. You've got Juan De Franco, who wound up having that north of 40 on-base streak as well. Then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox, and no question, this is a team that's able to hit First last name, a.k.a. Kike Hernandez, has had himself a really good run of things recently. Kyle Schwarber, along with Thunder Renfro, pair of guys that hit it right around a two sixty. Both guys, 30-plus home runs during the regular season. Xander Bogarts has really been able to do a solid job throughout the postseason. It looks like J.D. Martinez is back to his normal self, wound up going 4-5 in Game 2 a few days ago. So, got a lot of firepower there. The question becomes, though, who do you turn to in the Boston Red Sox bullpen? Because... We wound up seeing them having to go to Tanner Houck in game two. You've got Martin Perez, who's probably going to be able to give you a couple of innings. Ansel Robles is probably going to be available in this game along with someone like a Garrett Woodlock. But the Red Sox, other than Ansel Robles, they have been very shaky in the bullpen, really ever since the all-star break. Bottom half of the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA ever since the all-star break. Worst of any team that wanted to make in the postseason. Then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, and this team does such a good job of being able to mix and match. JT Chargois has been having himself a sub-2 ERA ever since coming Coming over from the Seattle Mariners, JP Fire Eyes, and Pete Fairbanks. These guys have been solid Andrew Kittrich, sub 2 ERA throughout the season. So I give the edge here to the Tampa Bay Rays. That is my New York Post play today. And when you take a look at this total, I wound up setting it at an 8.2. So taking the 8.5 under and I'm going to be taking the Tampa Bay Rays. And we wrap things up with 9.33, 9.34 on the betting board. As got the Houston Astros in the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. As Dylan Cease is going to be getting the ball here for the South Siders. Meanwhile, Luis Garcia is going to be on the bump for the Astros. And the Astros are finding themselves as underdogs in this spot. You're able to get them. Anywhere in the neighborhood of about a even money price to as good as a plus one oh nine as I'm seeing it. Meanwhile at the White Sox any team minus one sixteen and minus one twenty is your price. Eight and a half is your total that I'm seeing, and this is all over the place with the eight and a half. Under has juice anywhere between minus 105, minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 115. Seeing a straight 8 out there as well. Over is minus 120 and the under is even, but take a look at this spot and I want up saying the total at an 8.1, so I'm going to be taking one of those 8.5 unders and I wind up saying the White Sox as a minus 127 favorite. I do think that they are going to stave off elimination in this spot because I was mentioning it with Javon. You've got someone in Luis Garcia who is very different home to road. At home he has been absolutely masterful this year. A 2 Thirty nine ERA is giving up eight home runs at seventy nine innings in Houston. Eleven home runs at seventy six and a third innings on the road. Opponents are hitting forty two points higher off of him when he's away from Houston as well. His strikeout numbers have seen a little bit of a decrease when he's on the road as well. So got a lot of that going on for Dylan Cease. This is a man who strikeouts per nine rate, hovers right around twelve, so he's been able to do a good job of getting punch outs all season long at an home. Opponents are hitting a two of five off of him. Now he has given up more home runs at home than he has on the road, but really past that. He's been better in pretty much every other aspect in Chicago rather than on the road. And you just take a look at the White Sox bats and they've had their opportunities in these first two games and they did still wind up putting up Four runs in game two. You've got Tim Anderson, a 300 hitter throughout the season. Luis Robert has been hitting at 714 this series overall for the season. He has been absolutely amazing. Jose Abreu, north of 100 RBI during the regular season. You just need someone to be able to pop off and get a home run, and that is a little bit of an issue for the White Sox. They were in the bottom 10 in the big leagues with regards to home runs on a per at bat basis, but they hit right around 33% more home runs at home than they do on the road. Then with the Houston Astros, you've got Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa Tucker, all guys that during the regular season had at, at least a 272 with 26 plus home runs. Alex Bregman has been firing all cylinders in this series. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Chaz McCormick when called upon with him as well. So I do think that that is something that you're able to look to with the Houston Astros bullpen. I do think that you're going to have some solid pieces. Kendall Graben, I think, is going to be able to come back once again, give you a little bit of something. But I do have question marks with guys like Brooks Raley, along with Phil Maine. Meanwhile, with the White Sox, I recognize that the bullpen wound up completely disintegrating on them in Game Two. But I think that there's a good chance that you could wind up seeing Michael Kopech give you some long relief. I think that he'll be able to do a solid job there. Jose Ruiz has been very solid for this team as well. Aaron Bummer was a big bummer in game too. But really, aside from that, the second half of the season, he was able to give you a little bit of something. So I do think that the White Sox are going to be able to bounce back. I think that they're going to be able to take this game, force a game force. So I'm going to be taking the White Sox on the money line. And I'm going to be going with the 8.5 under. And that will wrap things up. For the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Sunday, a big thanks to Javon Alford over there at DraftKings for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at JarenSquarty1. Keep in mind, let us see them. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated Then you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.